Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Gabby Cavins, a 2014 graduate from the United States Naval Academy. You'll get to hear all about her experiences rising above a variety of challenges both at the academy and beyond. Everything from struggling with academics, to leaving a lasting legacy by co-founding the school's dance team, to balancing life as a mother and military officer, to eventually transitioning out of the Navy and becoming a breastfeeding advocate for working parents. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and having this conversation with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to and when you graduated? Absolutely. So I was uh, born in Lima, Peru. Um, my mom is Peruvian and, and my father's from the United States. Uh, we moved to the United States shortly after I turned one and grew up in the uh, Lone Star State, good old Texas, and then uh, went to the United States Naval Academy class of 2014. Nice. And can you start out by giving everyone one or two lines about who you are today? Let's see. Today I am a mother, Navy spouse, um, advocate, and um, for working parents and breastfeeding families. Yeah, so that definitely sounds like there's a story there. Uh, <laughs> how, how you got from the Navy, the Naval Academy, to to breastfeeding. Um, so we'll get there, um, but. Let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning um, when you were deciding where to go to college. Uh, what made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the Naval Academy? So I would say, uh, you know, growing up, my dad would always be like, what do you want to do with your future, you know? And, and I think every kid's like, oh, one week it's, I'm going to do NASCAR. I really wanted to do NASCAR for a while. I was stuck on that. And then, you know, the next week I wanted to be a nurse and the next week I wanted to be an astronaut. Next week I want to be a pilot and, you know, the list goes on. Um, as I, I was around, I think maybe eighth grade or so, I was in a, a um, organization called the United States Naval Sea Cadet Corps. So I had a lot of exposure kind of to the Navy. My dad's a Navy veteran, um, Vietnam era time. He's a lot older, um, had me a little later in life. And, um, you know, we talked about it. We have, um, long line of service on my dad's side of the family. So I kind of wanted to serve. I just wasn't sure what, what capacity that looked in. I, I thought a lot about the Air Force Academy before that point because um, I wanted to be a pilot. And I figured, well, the Air Force has planes, so that sounds good. Um, my dad's a pilot and my brother is a pilot as well for as civilians. So kind of grew up around airplanes and that kind of made sense at the time. Um, then my dad's like, Hey, well, the Naval Academy is really cool. You might like it, you know, check it out. And I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like I want to be on the dance team. I'm a dancer. I'm going to dance and that's all that matters. And they don't have that there. So, (laughs) um, then, uh, somebody from my secret unit got into the Naval Academy and left. And I was like, Oh, and he would tell me about it. Like, Oh, it's so cool. You'd really like it. So I started researching and I was like, Oh yeah, like it's not a bad deal. You could, be a Marine or you could be in the Navy and you can be a pilot or you can drive ships. Like that's cool. Um, so I kind of started researching more and more and, you know, fast forward, I did summer seminar, um, at the Naval Academy and I was like, yep, this is home. Like, I really want to do this. And then, uh, senior year, you know, I sent all my applications stuff in early. Um, just our, my Congresswoman didn't have her, um, interviews until, the winter, like January, February time. So I had to wait. And then I got my letter of assurance in October of my senior year. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like this is the only school I applied to. So this better work out. I better get this, um, nomination. And then, uh, I panicked last minute and I was like, I should probably apply to another school just in case I applied to the university of Texas. Um, and I knew I would get in right away because they have the, if you're within, in the top 10% of your class, it was automatic acceptance. So I was like, oh, I'll be okay. And they have a dance team. So that was extra. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I had my um, interview uh, with my, my congresswoman wasn't there, but it was um, 
people she picked. And it was, it was great. It was such a long interview. My dad thought for sure that I threw it on purpose, but it was fantastic. We talked about my outfit. We talked about what I wanted to do in life. We talked about, you know, all kinds of things. And I just loved it. And I just knew that was going to be it. Okay. So did you apply to any other academy or was it really just uh, the Naval Academy and the University of Texas? That was it. It was literally the Naval Academy until three days before the University of Texas was closing their applications. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Overconfident. (laughs) Well, no. Hey, I I, I love it. Um, Were you pretty sold on this idea that you were going to try to become a pilot? Was that still the goal? Yeah. At that point, absolutely. I was like, you know, growing up around aviation, you know, my entire life and my birthday is actually the anniversary of flight. So my dad was convinced that this was like my destiny. (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have plans to, to dance and stuff? And they don't have that at the Naval Academy, right? They didn't then. I am actually one of the co-founders of the dance team at the Naval Academy. Ah, okay. Um, yes, let's fast forward a little bit. But, um, you know, I was like, hey, there's, you know, some dance studios around Annapolis. You know, I can, you know, maybe on a weekend if I have time, go. So I wasn't totally heartbroken. Interesting. That's a, so you, did you have some good guidance when you were applying to school to put into perspective that this goal of becoming a pilot um, was more important than this desire to dance on the college level? I think, you know, I, I loved, I loved dancing. I, you know, done it since I was two years old and it was my, my passion in a way. Um, But I think too, I was also afraid of it becoming like a job. You know, sometimes people talk about like, oh, when your passion becomes a job, you won't love it anymore, Mm. things like that. And I was like, I was afraid of that. Um, And my dad was very much like, oh, you'll never like make it in life if you just dance, you know, it's not like a real thing. And there are plenty of people who do it. People on my dance team from high school are professional dancers now. And that's great. Um, Definitely, I'm glad that was not the the path my life took. It's not for me. but I, you know, I was just very much, you know, kind of like, I wanted to get out of Texas, even though I applied to the University of Texas, doesn't make much sense. But I, you know, I wanted to get away from home. Um, I wanted something different and something that would challenge me. And I was like, well, if I have to, being a pilot sounds really cool. And if I have to give up dancing, you know, more or less full time, I was willing to do that to go away. And not that I was leaving anything, you know, it was just very much like I want to be on my own and I want to spread my wings and fly figuratively and literally, but yeah. 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 So, okay. So tell me about your arrival at the Academy. Um, On that first day, were you, did you have a good sense of what you were getting yourself into? Absolutely not. I literally, as soon as I remember with my parents, we stopped at, there's like, I think it's a 7-Eleven nearby um, the Naval Academy, kind of down a side street. And I got a bagel from there that I couldn't even eat. Mm. And I was so nervous. And, you know, my mom is equally as nervous um, from a cultural standpoint, you know, it's unusual for the daughter to leave home that early, much less before she's married. So there's that. And my dad's like, yeah, get out of here. Like, go, you know, do something with your life. And he was so excited and obviously so proud. Both my parents are. And I literally just wanted to puke the whole time we were (laughs) driving. And I remember getting there. And now, mind you, too, I was very unhealthy at the time, um, very much out of standards weight-wise. I had had an injury um, maybe like seven or eight months before that. So I completely like went downhill. It was a foot injury and wasn't working out the way I should have been, wasn't eating the way I should have been. So I was not going there, you know, in shape per se. So that was a big stressor for me. And then, you know, I get there. I I don't know anybody 
And I'm like, what's, what am I doing? Like, we need to leave now. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So how did that summer go for you? Uh, It was the, man, it, you know, they, um, I remember I heard this phrase and it was like, you know, we break up our academy time from plebe summer, plebe year and the rest of it. And that's literally like, I remember plebe summer very vividly well, um, like it was yesterday. Like I could almost like recount specific stories or where exactly I was standing in the PUA or, you know, the hallway when something happened, you know, and it was a tough summer for me, you know, again, like really like not going there at, at peak performance shape, um, really being scared of like, you know, it was my first time away from home. I was 18 years old had no idea what I was getting into. I woke up every morning, like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. Like, why am I standing here holding my bed sheets in a roll inside my pillowcase, yelling, waiting on my classmates? They're like, what on earth are we doing? <laughs> and all my friends are, you know, like doing God knows what in Austin, Texas, you know, for yeah. the summer. And I was like, man, this, this is terrible. But then I also remember how close we all got, um, you know, embracing the suck together and and the funny stories that came out of it, you know, like having to make your own goggles because, you know, if you were looking around, you weren't keeping your eyes on the boat. So somebody would have to wear goggles with like toilet rolls attached to them so they could (laughs) only look one way. And, you know, I'm like, that's ridiculous, but it made us all so close. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's definitely a unique experience that you go through with your class. And it's crazy. Like the stress when you're going through it makes the weirdest things very funny and memorable. Oh and yeah. You, and you can, <laughs> and you carry that with you. Um, well, if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? Oh, one word. Um, I would say, I don't, I want to use the word becoming, but that becoming maybe, you know, I think, or, you know, discovering something, something along those, the finding and the discovering and the uncovering of self, if Mm. I can use a phrase, I think. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, so tell me what that means to you. I mean, I think, you know, I went from you know, getting their plebe year, obviously not in, in the best of shape, not ready to perform. And really plebe year was tough. I had a 1.81 GPA my first semester. Mm. Um, chemistry and calculus are not my friends. And I always knew that. Um, but that was really the first time I had ever been challenged academically too. Um, I'd always had A's, you know, so I'm here, I am failing at just about, you know, the physical mission and the academic commission. I'm like, I was also, I had been on restriction when I was a plebe that first semester, like <laughs> all kinds of stuff's happening. Yeah. And I was like, I've never, you know, been the bad kid, quote unquote. I've never, you know, struggled. So this is all this new things happening and I'm angry and I'm not doing well. And my class and my peers don't really, you know, I wasn't very close with many of them, just a few. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't have called them my friends then, you know, when they, you do this little class ranking thing, I was always very near the bottom, or at least that first year. Um, I'm sure I deserved some of it. I was not, not necessarily very nice either. Um, I think out of all the frustration. And then mm. I kind of, after that first semester, and I got my grades while I was um, at home for a break. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they're not going to let me go back for the spring. Like I failed out of the Naval Academy, Mm. but that didn't happen. Obviously I went back and I got it in gear and I was like, I have to take this seriously. I have to work harder every free period I got. Like I was in an extra help class, you know, and trying to get it together. And then, you know, there I was, and that's just how I kept going. I was like, I have to keep pushing. I started, you know, taking better care of my body, taking you know, fueling myself right and got through Plebeer and I passed Plebeer and I was like, yes, I passed. <laughs> I yeah. did it. Yeah. It's interesting. So, so you said that when you were going through your 
plebe summer um, that you felt like this really strong connection with your company and your class. Um, but then you said like that you didn't really feel like you had a lot of close connections. So what do you make of that? I think, you know, when you start the academic year, it's not just you guys anymore. You know, yeah. like everyone is back and everyone's there and everyone forms opinions of you. And those, you know, opinions spread onto your underclassmen. So when I say that, like the upperclassmen are like, oh, like, you know, like you're, you've gotten in extra trouble. You have to do extra things because you didn't know this. So then, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're the, you're the weakest link in the chain. And I don't think it was me every time, but I happened to make stronger connections with those of us who were struggling more than others, whether it was academically, you know, or physically. Um, so there was that. And I felt like, you know, and it, then you start meeting other other people, you know, when the academic year starts because you're in classes with all these other people. And, and then there's just more people. There's 4,000 people there that you could meet. And there we are. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of like, it's like I lost the bubble then when I was struggling and kind of really internalized a lot of stuff and was angry, you know, not making good choices necessarily. Um, mm. And then, you know, was like, hey, this, this isn't, this isn't who I am. You know, I can work harder than this. I, you know, actually met my now husband mm. uh, at the end of my first semester of plebeer. We were on the, on the spirit team together. Mm. So he was like, Hey, you know, like we weren't at that time, obviously it was just like, we're on the same team, but it was like, Hey, you know, like, I know you're struggling, like you can do better and, and kind of, you know, starting to find really close friends coming out of that first semester and trying to help me, motivate myself, you know, to like, don't procrastinate. And hey, you should probably work a little bit harder. And I think finding those people at the lowest point kind of helped me turn around and realize like, hey, maybe I'm pushing away, like I'm doing things I wouldn't normally be doing because I'm frustrated. Like I need to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever contemplate leaving the academy? No. Oh, no. There was uh, no way. Um, and more, more out of pride than anything. Yeah. Um, it was, it was not going to beat me, mm. you know? And I think a lot of, a lot of us really dominant personality types think that way. Yeah. And I was like, if other people can do this, like I am more than capable. Like, yeah. I just need to fix myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, but it definitely sounds like finding finding a few close connections that could remind you who you are and nudge you in the right direction was helpful. Absolutely. Like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's go back for a second. So what what were some of the high points of your time at the Naval Academy? What were some of your most memorable experiences? Most memorable. Um, well, beating army all four years while I was there. <laughs> nice. Um, of course, uh, we beat Notre Dame once while I was there. That was exciting. Um, but realistically, um, I would say I have my, you know, going from the bottom for me was rock bottom, kind of that end of my first semester of my first year to coming out of that, you know, moving forward, I started getting into classes within my major that I really liked. So once I got done with all that chemistry and, and calculus, which is like the end of me, um, and got into, you know, my, I was a political science major and I got into those classes that I was really interested in. I was really able to dive into those things and do well. And then you know, fast forward from there, I ended up on the superintendent's list for academics. And I was wow. like, never would have thought I would get there. <laughs> Coming from yeah. a 1.81. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you found your groove eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and then, you know, and going from 
you know, no, being kind of a, not necessarily a nobody, but, you know, like towards the bottom to becoming company commander of my company, uh, the fall semester of my senior year, mm. um, never would have imagined that happening yeah. at all, you know, mm. and having gone, having struggled through and, and getting there, I was really proud of that. Cause I was like, you know, and I always use that as an example when I would see, you know, some of my, my underclassmen struggling. It's like, Hey, like, yeah, I was there too. Literally I failed my first semester of college. Um, and here I am. Yeah. You know, we don't, we can pave the way for ourselves. We can make things different. We can keep moving forward, but we have to want to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like you said before, being unwavering in what you're, what you're trying to do, you know, it was never an option to leave and to give up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So at this point when you're going through school and you're, you're kind of finding your, finding your groove, you found your major, it sounds like your grades started to get on track. Um, What were your goals? Um, Gosh, I think at that point it was, you know, making it to graduation unscathed. I at least marched towards. So when we would if you got in some kind of trouble, you know, you could get put on restriction or you could go sometimes like your room wasn't clean and your company officer would be like, okay, you're going to go March tours this morning. I marched tours every single semester, <laughs> at least <laughs> once for something, you know, ridiculous. Um, yeah. At the time was not ridiculous. Now looking back, I'm like, my shoe is in the wrong place in my closet and I had to march tours, but you know, it's, it's beside the point. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's, I, you know, I think it was, for me, it was kind of just keep going on that grind, like find, keeping my routine, finding the grind again at that point. Yeah. Um, once I really got going and I really felt in a good place, my best friend did her semester abroad in China. That was the first semester of my junior year. She was gone to China. And um, I then... He was my boyfriend then, um, had graduated and was in Japan. Uh, so I felt I was alone again in a way, you know, my close, um, the people I confided in the most were gone. And that's actually when I kind of spiraled a little bit, my grades were really good (laughs) academically. Um, but I would say at that point, um, I, you know, I started, having, you know, I was very much, I was very hard on myself, um, all the time. And I think, you know, a lot of times we're our own worst critics and there I was alone. So I I felt alone and I obviously was not, there were tons of people there, but again, like the people closest to me were not. And I started having, you know, body image issues. Um, Mm. and granted I was in better shape then than I was when I got there, but you know, nothing was good enough. And I started feeling myself kind of falling into this like, oh, I can't, like I started eating different. Um, I started pushing myself really hard where I would, you know, work out three times a day and all I would do is study until midnight. Yeah. And yeah. And I was like, and I recognized that and I was like, Hey, you know, I need help. Like this is not sustainable. Um, and we have a, I think it's called the Midshipman Development Center then I'm not sure if that's what it's called now. And there's a nutritionist there who, who, you know, talked me through what I needed to do. So I was very intimately involved with, with nutrition and therapy, um, that year. That's interesting. So you, did you decide to do that yourself? Did you like self-identify that this was an issue for yourself and you went over to that center and got help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, fascinating. Yeah. Yes. And it's because I had had eating issues before I got to the Naval Academy, mm-hmm. which led to my injury. Gotcha. Um, okay. So I, I very much, you know, it was that I had lost like 25 pounds in a month and a half type of thing. Yeah. Before. Yeah. And that's not, obviously, isn't good for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, and, and you're in this environment where everyone, you know, like what you would consider a normal body size out, you know, somewhere else is a little bit bigger. 
at the Naval yeah. Academy. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, like I'm not fast enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, and no one's here to, you know, not that I needed somebody to give me praise, but you know, like your close friends are there to be like, no, you're being, you're being dumb. Like, don't say that. Yeah. And, but I noticed it and I was like, nope, like I've been there. I've been there. It's not happening. Yeah. It's fascinating because, uh, you know, both having been a student at the Merchant Marine Academy and then working with students at the the Academy, I can tell you that like that eating disorder piece of, um, being very controlling with your diet, becoming very rigid with your exercise and, and falling into those habits where you're completely detached from your body and how you feel. And you're just kind of like, you're becoming like ultra perfectionistic. And mm-hmm. you know, that is, it's like, I think it's like this classic, it's, it's like rampant. Honestly, I, I oh, see yeah. it in men and women. It's crazy um, at the academies. So uh but that that's why it was interesting to me to hear that you self-identified and it makes sense mm-hmm. that you had that you had already experienced that. But again, I mean, it speaks to, you know, that side of you that's just like, oh no, like we're getting through this. <laughs> like you're not, oh, you're yeah. not, yeah, we're getting through. Oh yeah. I was, I was riding my wave. I was like, my grades are where they need to be. I think at a 4.0 that semester, I was yeah. like, no, like yeah. nothing is messing this up for me. Yeah. That's really like, a, I'm not messing it up for me. Yeah. Huge. That, that's a huge self-awareness piece to have at that age. So yeah. impressive. Thank um, you. So, okay. So you was one of the highlights you, you mentioned it briefly. You alluded to this idea that you started a dance team. Was that a highlight yeah. for you? Oh yeah. Um, so actually one of my classmates, um, Shannon Lavin, she, uh, we actually met during our summer seminar when we were juniors in high school and we were both dancers and we were like, Oh, it would be so cool if the Navy could have a dance team. Cause I think then at the time the air force Academy had already had theirs. Um, and we were like, Oh yeah, you know, and we toyed with the idea and fast forward, here we are both at the Naval Academy classmates and we're like, Oh, this would be cool. But you know, life kind of happens and you're trying to navigate all the things that a service academy is. So we didn't really, we would get together and like go to a class every once in a while, but nothing serious. And then our junior year, there was some movement um, within the spirit team to add a dance team or a conversation about it. Um, And it, and it, you know, it was like, oh yeah, like let's do this. So she definitely like took the reins there and was like, hey, I'm going to do this. I was like, great, like I'll support you. I'll be your, your number one fan over here, you know, let's get it going and find people who would be interested. And we had a few and there it was my, my junior year, you know, and I, I did a lot of the choreography. I love choreography and that was kind of my, my strong suit. I wanted to stay out of the, the meetings and the logistics of everything. And I just wanted to, to dance. So Mm. I, uh, I like self-proclaimed myself the choreographer and we got going and it was so amazing to meet, you know, different people that I wouldn't have necessarily met, particularly our, our younger teammates, um, you know, getting a chance to perform at um, pep rallies. And then we performed on the field um, during halftime of a football game, which was awesome. Mm. And it was just so cool to be able to have that. And now looking back at the legacy we left behind and now the dance team is like five times the size that it was when we were there. (laughs) That I was going to ask. So it's still there, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. We're, you know, we're so proud and I got a chance to go back. Um, my husband's class of 2012. So we went back for his reunion. Um, and, you know, I got to meet the team then and take a picture at them because it's so cool, you know, meeting, getting to see your dream that this was, you know, years before we had this idea and there it was. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, thanks, you know, and for them to be like, thank you for making this because, you know, like I wanted to dance and I thought I was going to have to stop. Oh, it's, just so, it's just so interesting because, like, I think back to the question I asked you about, like, oh, you know. Um, giving up dancing during college and this kind of dream of dancing and going to the Naval Academy and and knowing that like, you know, this desire to become a pilot 
and then here you are, you go to the Naval Academy and you start the, you start the dance team. And now you have like this legacy there. I mean, that's just incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Really cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So that sounds like a really cool highlight. Um, now you, you definitely touched on some of the low lights, but was there anything else that happened? Um, you know, that, that was rough for you while you were there or did you pretty much cover that? I think those were, you know, the biggest things is, is really, you know, struggling and then coming out and then diving back in and struggling again and coming out. And yeah, I think, you know, and, and having friends leave, whether it was by their own choice or, you know, like we had folks get kicked out, obviously happens everywhere for a variety of reasons and adjusting to that. Um, Yeah. You know, I would say dealing with that emotional piece, a lot of the times, you know, we had some loss there. So I had attended, you know, a classmate's funeral. Mm. Um, And so those are hard, I think. Yeah. You know, there's, you're growing, we're all growing up and we're all in this environment together. You're, you're, you know, you live next door to 50 of your closest friends. Yeah. And you know, you, you deal with each other's relationship highs and lows and you deal with, each other's good days and bad days. And in a way it was so great and other ways it was so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And as you get older, you realize how young you really were. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Going through all of that, you know? Yeah. I was like, Oh man. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. That's a lot. So what are looking back, what are some of the, the lessons you learned, like the biggest takeaways you have from your time at the Academy? I would say the first one is, you know, be honest with everyone, but be honest with yourself first Mm. Um, and really being true to your core and who you are um, and not wavering from that. I think, you know, especially that first year, I kind of got lost and had I, you know, really stayed true to who I was. And maybe at that point, I didn't know who I was, you know, like there's this whole discovery thing. And I think, you know, having honest conversations with yourself, like, you know, being able to recognize that I was kind of spiraling again when I was a junior, you know, I was honest with myself and I was like, I need help. I could have easily like, you know, turned a blind eye to it and kept going down that path. Um, And, you know, being, being really raw and honest with your friends and, you know, cause those people there with me did care about me and, you know, really wanted to make sure I was okay. And maybe had I opened up more that I was struggling, like at the beginning, maybe I wouldn't have felt so isolated. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the big ones. And I would say the second one is, you know, don't take no for an answer. If you, you know, have a desire, a passion or a dream to make something happen. Um, and that carried me through my time in the fleet too. Well, that's a, that's a good segue into talking to your life post-graduation. So, so tell me like how that all unfolded. So you get to graduation. Was the plan still to be a pilot? Nope. <laughs> uh, when we did our uh, second class, our junior year, we go do our, our, you know, commissioning physicals, like the first set. And I was too short. None of my measurements were long enough because I'm quite short. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, it's not really going to happen. They're like, maybe do some stretches and come back. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to grow like one inch in arm reach like by tomorrow (laughs) no matter how much I stretch um so I kind of dealt with that and I was like okay and I and you know oddly enough I wasn't that upset Hmm. um you know I was kind of like all right like you know being a ship driver is still pretty cool um so I was kind of set like literally as soon as I walked out of medical that day I was like I'm gonna be a surface warfare officer so Yay. I know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Um, and I was excited about that, Did you, which is so strange. Did you consider anything else or was that what you just, you were like, all right, that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. I was kind of, you know, I didn't want to be in the Marine Corps. I just don't think I, I was not made for that life. That's 
That's amazing. That is too much for me. Um, I didn't want to be on, on subs, um, but no way. Nope. Um, yeah, it's not even, yeah, no. And then obviously pilot was out of the question. So I was like, I think, you know, being on ships, it was, it's cool. Cause you know, it's like join the Navy and see the world. And I was like, I guess I, I can do that on a ship. They mm. go everywhere. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up uh, graduating as a surface warfare officer. Okay. And yeah. so what was the first, the first step for you, the first stop, I should say, first shift? So yeah, from there I took my, I got married two days after I graduated mm. and uh, yeah, to my husband of now, we just celebrated our sixth anniversary nice. uh, in May and I can't believe it's already been six years. It goes by quick. Um, and so we, um, yeah, I took, we got married, we took leave together. He went, he was stationed in Japan at the time. He went back to Japan, went straight on deployment. Um, I drove with my, my brother and my mom to San Diego cause that's where I was getting stationed. Um, on the, uh, I got my first choice of ships. I was on the USS Gridley out of San Diego mm-hmm. and it was like, I got there and they're like, Oh cool. We're about to go on, on leave. And we leave on deployment, you know, a month later, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going straight on deployment. Great. Mm-hmm. Which was what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little like, I would say overwhelming being told that in person when I'm standing there. Cause it's just different, you know, and you're in it. Yeah. Five months before that, I was like, oh, cool. Like I'll deal with that later. Um, and then I get there and I'm like, this is really happening. I'm really diving in. Yeah. Um, which ended up being the best thing. So I, I left on deployment. Um, at that time, the strike group did a 10-month deployment. At that point, it was one of the longest deployments since Vietnam. Obviously, that has since been exceeded um, mm-hmm. by another strike group. But I got to leave um, in the middle of it to come back to San Diego to go to basic division officers course. So I flew out of, out of Singapore and uh, went, to, went back to San Diego to do two months of school, which happened to be the time that my husband was also PCSing um, from Japan to San Diego, mm. which is great because we got orders to the same place, which is, you know, you hope for that. Um, yeah. So I got to spend a little time with him kind of in between, de- in between deployment um, and then headed back out on deployment and then came home and then he left a month later for deployment. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Through all this time, like when you were at the academy and then, you know, your decision to become a surface warfare officer and then you get deployed right away, um, how how are your parents viewing all of this? And my dad is like ecstatic about it. He, you know, is like, this is why you join the Navy and like you're doing the thing, you know, and he's all, he's all about it because he just knew, you know, and he had been there. Yeah. Um, my mom was a little bit harder for her. Um, you know, but I think having my dad be able to like guide her through and explain to her and, you know, she's super supportive and super excited for me. Um, she did not want to leave when they moved me from Texas to San Diego. Uh, she's like, I'll stay and I'll do this. My brother's like, no, we got to go. <laughs> she needs to start her own life. Um, so, you know, my mom called me like every 15 minutes and, uh, you know, being on deployment, she would want to, she would email me and, you know, a bunch because obviously I wasn't, I wasn't calling home um, very often unless we were in port. So she was, she was getting there, but I think she knew, you know, that I was okay and things were going to be okay. And this is what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now you're a surface warfare officer, you're on this ship and um, how did you, did was it what was it what you wanted? Was it what you dreamed it to be with traveling and seeing the world and and all that? And yeah. I spent a lot of time away those first two years. Um, we were, you know, out and in, out and in all the time outside of just our deployment. Um, so my husband and I kept missing each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that was tough. Uh, but I would say, you know, looking back, it was so worth it. I learned so much. That tour was so rewarding. Um, I was a first lieutenant on board, so I was responsible for our deck equipment and our, um, we have a rigid hull inflatable boats, those little 
little motor boats, I would say, you know, that are on the ship. Those were my responsibility. Anytime we had helicopters land on board, you know, the deck equipment and the people that worked um, with those pilots were my, were my sailors. And we were very close. Um, they were, you know, they, to this day, they're like my family. Mm. Um, we spent a lot of hours painting the sides of the ship together and a lot of days, you know, in and out of ports, lots of, lots of, you know, high risk evolutions that we were doing together. And, it, you know, I was, they are the reason why I had such a successful first tour. Mm. So mm. rewarding. Yeah. And, and how long did you stay in? So, uh, a little over five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just got out last year. Um, actually, towards the end of my my first tour, I was set to rotate a couple months, I think maybe four or five months. Um, four or five months before I was rotating, uh, my husband and I found out we were expecting our first. Um, so that was, you know, we were obviously very excited and I I would say that was more planned. Um, mm. Deployment babies are real. They're <laughs> definitely real. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so I, I took, a, took some heat for that, honestly. Um, my command mm. was great. Um, but I would say, you know, I went, I went to a staff, um, a three-star staff after that for my shore tour. And, and everyone I worked with was really, really great. They were always curious why I was there. <laughs> Um, until one day I showed up in my maternity uniform. They're like, Oh, that's what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I had had conversations with more senior officers and they were like, Oh, your career might be recoverable. You might be able to recover from this. And I was like, seriously, like Hmm. I could like run circles around most people Yeah, not to toot my own horn, but like, you know, here's my paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of dealt with that and it kind of, made me angry um, for a lot of reasons, obviously. Cause I was like, Hey, like yeah. if somebody got injured, you wouldn't say this to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, was it a man just for clarity? Purposes? Oh yes. 100%. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was kind of an obvious question, but. And he was a, yeah. he had been in the Navy for a really long time by that point. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a lot of that, the old school Navy mentality. Yeah, yeah. Would were there a lot of women with you on your ship? Um, yeah, I would say we had quite a few female officers and then and female sailors. Um, yeah. So, and like I said, like my on the ship, everyone was super supportive. Yeah, yeah. Which is a relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, did you feel like you made good connections during your time? Um, in the Navy itself? Oh, yeah, 100%. I've met my, you know, best friends, um, my my children's godparents. <laughs> um, I, you know, I still talk to a lot of people. One of my mentors and a dear friend of mine who I worked for on that staff, she's, a, she's now retired um, from the Navy. And, you know, she has been such an amazing mentor to me, you know, in the Navy in the Navy as a mother, um, you know, in the Navy dealing with, um, you know, postpartum, um, Mm -hmm. mental health and then transitioning out and kind of, you know, being that little cheerleader to remind me, you know, that there, there is more identity to me than just the Navy. Yeah. 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 That's definitely something a lot of people struggle with, but I find especially women, um, Mm -hmm. And especially when women want to have children, um, because it's such a different lifestyle when you when you start to have kids. You know, yeah. it's so different. And um, so, so what was the what was the catalyst for you deciding to get out of the navy? Uh, co-location. Um, we knew so. Fast forward some more, and I was on my second ship, and. Uh, and I loved, I loved that tour. I was on a cruiser and I was a training officer on board, which is one of my favorite jobs. And, uh, my husband and I were kind of looking at what our career 
milestones it needed to be to stay competitive, you know, and we very much prided ourselves on being, you know, we need to take the hardest jobs and be the best at this so we can keep moving forward. Um, And when we laid out our timelines, it it didn't work. We couldn't be in the same place at the same time as a family. Mm. Um, So I said, okay, well, and, you know, my husband was very much like, hey, you know, I can get out. Like, that's not, you know, he was, this is before he took his um, extension to go to grad school. But he's like, hey, you know, like, we can talk about, like, who's going to go if, you know, we want to keep our family together. And for me, it was like, that wasn't a question. I was going to keep my family together. Mm. Um, Especially with, you know, we were like, we wanted to have more children. And my son at the time was two. And I was like, you know, I can't, I don't want to leave him again. (laughs) It really came down to it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I left him for a month and a half when he was 13 months old. And that was really hard for me. And I was like, you know, I really hand it to parents, mothers and fathers, you know, who do this for longer, who go on deployment and do it regularly. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that's amazing. You know, if that's what you want to do. And when I looked at it, I said, you know, I don't want to be the captain of the ship. And that's what I should want to be if I want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it's not for me. Yeah. And uh, I said, here's my resignation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, I mean, even with that clarity, it's not an easy decision, right? Because no. I know that the next step is redefining yourself, you know, and that's, that's tough when you've been in the Navy for so long, both at the Academy and on this trajectory, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was you know, since being out on my own, I was in the Navy and, yeah. and I was just like, I don't know how to be anybody else. I don't know how to be, you know, I kept saying like, Oh, just a mom and just a wife. And yeah. now looking at that, I'm like, that is the wrong word to put in front of those things. Cause those are, those are a lot of things. Um, there are, there are a lot of things. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say sometimes those things are harder than the things I did in the Navy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I struggled with such a, an identity crisis. I, when I handed my paperwork to my captain, I was crying. Mm. I, you know, and I, I was not, even when I, when I told my executive officer before that, that I, I was going to resign, I cried. And he was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. like, let's, you know, let's talk. And, and it wasn't because I, I didn't want to make that decision. It was like you said, you know, that who am I? Like, what's next? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You kind of threw yourself out into the unknown and just, uh, I mean, you sound confident in yourself, like you knew you'd be fine, but it's still scary. You don't know what, what's next. And when you're in the Navy uh, and when you're at the Naval Academy, I mean, there's always something that you're striving for and there's always, the next step is always pretty clear, you know? There's yeah. some variation, but there's always like, okay, just get to the end of plebe and then get to the end of this and then get to graduation and then get to this level and this deployment and get through this and get, and then you get to this place where you leave the Navy and you're like, and now what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, where do we go from here? So, um, well, so since that time, um, first of all, you know, how have you seen your time at a service Academy how has that impacted the way you've then approached your life post Navy? I would say, you know, I feel, you know, everything for me, like I'm a very structured individual, you know, I love the sense of tradition, um, you know, and being and having been taught whether, you know, forcefully or not, you know, being punctual and knowing all these things and, you know, being ready, always being ready. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, there's that. And then I was like, you know, when I was felt like I was falling off the cliff, when I gave in my resignation, I was like, you know, everyone tells you like, Oh, you went to service academy that papers like gold, like you'll get a job right away. And I was like, I don't think I want a job right away. And I don't think that's necessarily true all the time. Um, and so I was kind of just like, you know, what, you know, obviously I, there's so many alumni that are everywhere, you know, that I could talk to. And, you know, if I wanted to come back and work for the government, you know, there's tons of people I could talk to that I had gone to school with that, or we overlapped, you know? So I, I felt like I had a lot of support and guidance. Yeah. 
um, and commonality, you know, you could always walk into somebody and be like, Oh, like, Oh, you went to the Naval Academy too. Cool. Like let's, you know, it was, it was easy. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what did you, so what are you currently doing? So this was, when did you leave the Navy and what year? Last year. Last in year. 2019. Yeah. Okay. And then since then, what's been your focus? So I have since, um, actually I started, I got a job right as I got out of the Navy. <laughs> um, I am the director of employee success for a company called, um, mama work. And we, uh, are full fledged. We're here to support working parents, whether that's, you know, with lactation support, career coaching, you know, sleep coaching for their kids, like everything from preconception to postpartum to college that you can think of. That's what we're there for. Um, so that's fascinating. So would you say that your experiences in the Navy and everything you experienced being a working mom in the Navy um, impacted your desire to pursue this type of work? Oh, yeah, um, 100%. And it started with me becoming a, a certified lactation educator. Yeah. Um, because when I had my first son, I had some birth complications and I actually almost died in childbirth. Um, mm -hmm. so it's pretty traumatic experience for me. And I remember after everything kind of calmed down and I had my son and I was trying to figure out how to, you know, how do you feed this kid? Like everyone tells you this should be natural. Um, yeah. I remember somebody in the hospital said like, oh, you're active duty. You're not going to breastfeed because active duty women don't breastfeed. Oh. And, you know, here comes my mentality again, like, um, excuse me, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And I'm going to make my goal. Um, and I was really put off by that. And I was like, well, if you're telling me this, and I'm probably a little bit more senior than, you know, somebody else here right now giving birth, like you're telling my sailors that. Mm. Like, and that that's not okay to me. So it kind of started like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so then I started diving into policy. Um, I became the uh, subject matter expert um, for breastfeeding and combat boots for the Navy mm -hmm. um, to support um, and promote, you know, breastfeeding in, in the Navy and the military as a whole, but particularly in my niches in the Navy, because that's where I had my personal experience. And, you know, talking about policy and, you know, talking about your options and your feeding options and what that looks like and how to approach you know, your command if they're not in accordance with the instruction, you yeah. know, and how do we have those conversations? And um, so I got really involved in that. And I, and that was probably one of my favorite things um, doing while I was in the Navy. So I sat on a lot of boards. I talked to a lot of people. I talked about a lot of policy. I set policy um, and things like that. I, I wrote for for the Navy on things regarding breastfeeding in the Navy, just because somebody told me I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and for me, I was like, no, like we can do this. If this is your choice, you can do it. Like everything is in place for you to do it. It's just so fascinating. Like it just, just this, this thread that weaves through your whole story. Like, you just, when you want to do something, you just do it. Like the, mm -hmm. from the dance team to, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, they, like now, like, you know, yeah, you're not just a mom. Like you are a mom helping every mom in the Navy. <laughs> and you are, exactly. you know, yeah. Hey, I, I love it. It's great. Um, it's definitely part of your, part of your personality. Like I could tell, you know, um, I love it. It's awesome. I, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, Okay, so just tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing um, now at Mama Works. Yeah, so with Mama Work, um, we are a benefit that employers provide to their employees, and it's you know full twenty four seven, as I said, full spectrum coaching. So I spend a lot of time talking with parents, um, you know, on how to set their transition plans and how to um, you know going on leave. Like, what do you need to look for? What should you be doing? Um, you know, how do you, how do you breastfeed? What does that look like? Um, you know, what are your goals? Set your goals. Um, you know, like, oh, my four month old isn't sleeping well. Well, here's why. Yeah. So did you, did you seek out this work yourself? Was this something that like, once you left the Navy, you were like, I want to work with women still. Um, yeah. Mothers still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah interesting um well that's fun that's pretty cool oh yeah i love it it's such a it's such a gift to be able to do yeah every day like i feel so so honored you know to work with with parents and share my stories and you know i still feel really fortunate too that i still get to do a lot of advocacy and policy in the navy yeah um so i just i feel very lucky so so you still do that for the navy yeah so i spent time um you know mentoring and guiding sailors who kind of seek me out or you know they're brought to me through breastfeeding and combat boots so yeah so it's not that far of a leap yeah your current work is definitely related (laughs) to the navy (laughs) oh yeah that's great wow fascinating huh well so taking all that into consideration how do you currently feel about that decision you made to attend an academy and to attend the naval academy i'm i'm so proud of it like i'm so you know i just i have so much pride that surrounds that and while it had its own challenges and while you know i struggled and i really I would not be where I am today if I didn't have that. Um, Whether it was the opportunities or, you know, the things that I've seen or experienced, you know, all came from that choice. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, my kids get to enjoy, you know, army week at home and what that what that tradition is, you know, and maybe football. And of course my children wear their jerseys, like at least once a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so what's next for you, Gabby? I'm going to keep supporting and advocating for parents. I think, you know, there's a lot for us to do. Um, a lot of things, you know, whether when it comes to feeding choice, when it comes to, you know, paid family leave, when it comes to, you know, flex schedules at work, I think that there's a lot of conversations to be had and there needs to be a lot of support. And, and I feel, you know, that I've I've been gifted with, you know, the things that have happened to me through my course and journey into working motherhood, you know, I want my voice to be heard because I think there's a lot of parents like me. Um, and I just want to amplify that and make it better for when, you know, my kids are, are in the workforce. So, you know, my son doesn't have to choose, you know, between what we say with mama work, you know, you just shouldn't have to choose between your personal goals and professional success. Like, I don't want my son to have to choose. You know, I wouldn't want anybody's son or daughter to have to choose. Like, this should be normal. We need to normalize parenthood and we need to normalize breastfeeding and we need to normalize these things because they're normal if that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. I love it, Gabby. All right. Well, do you have any parting words for, uh, for your fellow service academy sisters at this point? I would say, you know, keep empowering each other. You know, we have so many stories and so much insight to give each other. Um, and, you know, to keep pressing forward, there's so many that have come before us that have set the stage. You know, we just need to keep pushing. We need to keep making changes. We need to keep being heard. We need to keep telling our stories so people know. And in the future, we'll read these things and listen to this podcast and be like, oh, this is so cool. You know, like, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So finally, what's, uh, what's one random fun fact about you? Oh boy. Um, I would say one random fun fact. I don't like things that taste like fruit, but I like fruit. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anything like anything that tastes like any flavor of fruit? Particularly things that taste like grape, orange, banana, or strawberry. I cannot. I just can't. <laughs> Ooh. What about peach? I can't stand things. Like no. Those. Yeah, definitely not. Peach, mm-hmm. a little bit more than like a grape or, an, or a banana. But like if it's not the actual fruit in my hand, I don't really want it. <laughs> wow. Not a smoothie person. Even the smoothie has the fruit in it. I'm not interested. <laughs> wow. Wow. I guess yeah. you don't like fruity flavored ice cream. Mm. Nope. Vanilla. I'm 100% vanilla. Oh, well, that's a whole other conversation. We won't oh, go yeah. there, but I can talk about that for hours. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Gabby, tell everybody where they can reach you. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, 
you can search me on social media as Gabby Cavins. Um, I also have my own kind of breastfeeding specific platform called Latched Official. It's on Facebook and Instagram. And also for working parent support in particular and looking at that, you can find me on mamawork.com. Awesome. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes. So, well, thank you, Gabby. Uh, it was awesome talking to you. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for, for giving us a platform to do so, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.